0: Welcome to the All Japan Women's Destiny podcast. I'm your host JD. Welcome to another episode as we go through the history of All Japan Women's professional wrestling through the classics episodes that you can find uh, on various places of the internet. I vastly encourage you to follow along and learn and enjoy the history of this just awesome women's wrestling promotion of the past. This is a spin-off in conjunction with the Red Leaf Retrocast. That is the proper episode where these come from. We hope you enjoy our audio and our uh, discussions over the various wrestlers and the matches in which we go through the ages. If you like what you hear and you want more content, please consider checking out the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, all one word, where we also cover LLPW, various other... Uh, women's wrestling promotions of the past, and the project that the whole reason it exists is the Joshi 2010s Journey, where we go through coming out of the dark ages of Joshi professional wrestling and really learning and having fun with wrestlers that we're very familiar with to this day to ones that we may have missed out on. I hope you enjoy the audio you're about to hear covering AJW And if you want more, please, again, consider signing up to the Patreon and leaving us reviews over at iTunes, Spotify, and the like, all your favorite podcasting outlets in which you listen to AJW and the Redley-Pretcher cast. Enjoy. She dislocated my spine. I had to make her mine. Thank you, Takako, in a way. My God, it is time for AJW, All Japan Women Destiny Podcast here. We're doing Dream Slam two. And if you're a little confused, it's like, wait, didn't you just do Dream Slam one in the last two episodes? Yes. Because we're it's interpromotional wartime. It's the interpromotional era. It is a new era for professional women's wrestling, especially in Japan. And All Japan Women has teamed up essentially with LLPW and JWP and FMW to an extent, a couple of their wrestlers. And Dream Slam 1 was quite the success. So a week later, moving out of Tokyo... We find ourselves in Osaka, Japan, at Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium, where it has a capacity of 7,500-ish, and uh, they announced 7,500 sellout. Uh, it was really 6,500. And the non-sellout can be explained partially by the fact that the card was, uh, we'll call it flanked, Was uh, was that same weekend, UWF uh, had a sellout uh, plus standing room, uh, according to uh, the Wrestling Observer. And um, I think it was Wrestling Weekly of the time also uh, uh, could confirm that. And All Japan Wrestling ran that uh, Monday. And uh, that was a sellout as well. So And that was in the same building. So the, the, this, uh, this show had a lot to compete against. Question is, then how many fans from Tokyo also traveled uh, to, to not only those shows, but running this Dream Slam 2 event so soon after probably uh, deterred the new audience AJW, AJW, Old Japan Women, has gained the last couple of years. Because we got, we got the wrestling audience here. We don't have the, the, the teenage girls of the 80s. Either way, it was no doubt still the largest women's wrestling gate ever in Osaka. It wasn't the largest crowd. Uh, that still goes to the hair match uh, in 85 of Nagayo and Don Matsumoto that had uh, 12,500. And uh the return hair match in 1986, that drew, I believe it was close to 10,000, uh, but lower ticket prices. So that's kind of that, that's that's something I never talked about when I was going through the '80s, because uh, as this All Japan Women Destiny podcast is, is uh, it's not just learning and experiencing just the big matches for the first time. Trying to do a little bit of uh, booking uh, comment commentary, uh, the 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 talent involved throughout all this, uh, the training regiments which we went over uh, quite extensively in the late '80s. If you listen to some of those episodes. Uh, some of the Gaijins that come in, we're, we're doing more than just, hey, check out this four and a half to five star match that uh, Dave Meltzer rated, because I'm sure a lot of people check out a lot of these AJW matches, especially in this era that we're in now, the the, the early to mid 90s. This is, this is like a peak period uh, for women's wrestling, and for good reason. And we're definitely seeing it across these two Dream Slam 2 shows here. Uh, the crowds are incredible. The matches are incredible. The talent's incredible. Everything's clicking on all cylinders. But as I'm going through the LLPW reviews over on the Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash where you can hear a lot of these LLPW reviews, I'm going about that a little differently, where it's show to show, month to month, cork into cork and kind of deal. And we're trying to see what's separating the LLPW roster from the success of the AJW roster. Uh, the difference in financials in how you gotta run uh d- just the sheer roster size is a deterrent as well uh and r- what does running these inter-promotional shows uh, do for the promotion that doesn't have the power because like make no mistake about it all Japan women's pro wrestling uh, Zenjo uh, has the power like it is them. So the LLPW uh we we kinda I've and one thing I'm trying to keep separated between the two, uh maybe some of it's working and and uh I hope it is, is I'm trying to stick within the kind of universe, the vacuum of LLPW. You know, if there's an interpromotional show that's run by All Japan with LLPW talent on it, review it here on All Japan Women Destiny in this section of the Redleaf Retrocast. If it's an LLPW show, which they're promoting, and it's their show, then that's on the LLPW reviews. There's a little little give and take here. It's why I didn't really go over a lot of the Dream Slam stuff on LLPW. And in fact, I kind of skipped it and saved it for moments like this. Because it's more prominent to, in my opinion, the success in moving forward of the scene in relation to AJW. Now, there's no doubt coming out, and and as we go through the next few months, there's no doubt LLPW gained something out of doing all these. Because we've got to remember, the era is totally different in how people consume media, have to go to shows to see these things live, and just like I did in the the Dream Slam 1 review, was kind of describe even someone like a Dave Meltzer, and the community at large, and media, they had to wait weeks and months to even grab a tape of the show. Whereas today, in this modern era, we can pay for a pay-per-view and watch these things live. (coughs) So, uh, the goal at this time following this show, Dream Slam 2, uh, which took place on April 11th, 1993, a week later from Dream Slam 1, is the promotion trying to peak again at uh, their, their big August show that they always do at Budokan. Uh, the supposed August 25th show. Uh, it's uh, their usual big summer show, notably back in 85, Summer Night Festival in Budokan, which is one of the greatest women shows of all time. Legacy of Queens is the name of this big interpromotional show that we're building up to. And it'll be fun in context seeing and learning how they build up to it over the summer and with the Japan Grand Prix going on in the meantime of all that in, in, in between, because we're going to see out of this show like they're going to run angles and tease matches that are built up for these shows. But how do how how do factors change? How do you know, there's injuries, there's politicking involved. Things things change, even though they tease some things throughout this. And I want to keep mentioning this as well. The Yokohama Dream Slam 1 tape, which was a three-tape video collection, it will, uh, so, <laughs> this show was on April 11th. It will be released on April 25th, and the price is $177 minimum, mind you. While this show we're reviewing here, Osaka Dream Slam 2, is a tube tape collection. It's going to come out on May 8th and sell for $158. The difference between the Tokyo and Osaka shows are are exactly relevant in the price there as well. Uh, at this time as well, Chigusa Nagayo's movie called Ring Ring Ring, it's uh, it's her starring in a fiction movie based on her own character and story. Uh, has a has It will debut on May fifteenth in Japan, nineteen ninety three. So there's there's a lot of relevancy of like okay, so Chigusa Nagayo's at these big Dream Slam events. She's back in the wrestling ring. She's back in the media. Oh, it just so happens there's a movie also coming out. Okay, we all get it. And, you know, it's a good give and take relationship there. Uh, Also important to notice uh, between this show and our next episode, Saki Asagawa and Kairo Ito won the All Japan Women Japanese tag titles from Bat Yoshinaga and Tomoko Watanabe uh, particularly because uh, I believe Bat Yoshinaga gets seriously injured in that match. And that was at a TV taping in Masuda. And I'll, I'll be I'll be trying to pay attention. So, one thing that's definitely going to start happening is uh, availability. Because the tough thing about covering the 80s during this journey was a lot of these things didn't make tape. Or they've been lost to time. So, that's one thing... I'm very proud of is now that I have audio records of everything i watched from the eighties. And there's even, there's even a match I'm going to mention here in a bit of something I missed in the eighties because the classics didn't cover it, but you can still find it online. Uh was announced to uh, only be appearing on house shows from this, uh, major house shows from this point forward. Uh, and I have briefly mentioned this prior is she's still working like 200 matches a year. <laughs> So this is this is her laying back uh, and we're we're going to that's going to get into a big conversation going th- forward through 93. Uh, All Japan women had a meeting with the Tokyo Dome this past week uh, around this time about running a show on November 7th. Unfortunately, this isn't going to happen. Costs of running the building are so high they need something like 30,000 paid to justify Uh, not running the same show at Budokan Hall or Yokohama Arena. They're talking about running one more major show in 93 in either November or December after their big August Budokan show. And uh, that is very relevant. So let's keep that in the back of our heads. And here we go. Injuries. All Japan women are without any foreign talent in the country now. Ultima Tigra, which was Esther Moreno in a mask, returned home to Mexico after breaking her leg. Debbie Malenko returned home to America after breaking her ankle. And Terry Power returned home to America to have surgery for her dislocated shoulder and a pinched nerve. Uh, Power worked two weeks after being injured in order to work these two big shows here. She's expected back in August uh, after the Grand Prix and... Esther Marino is expected back around October. So all the foreign talent is fucking injured. Uh, Mariko Yoshida has a messed up neck and Bison Kimura has retired to injury. This promotion is dropping like flies right now. Left and right. And let's get on to this awesome show. But before I do that, I watched a match from 1989. And it was Chigusa Nagayo versus Akira Hokuto. And it wasn't in the classics. It was in. Uh, it was on. Uh, I think it was May nineteenth, and this match is one of the best matches of nineteen eighty nine. It is. It starts out with fire with a Hokuto getting Chigusa with a German suplex. The crowd just absolutely loses their minds because they think she's going to lose. They go into some real nice holds for once, and I usually don't say that, but the way they were able to work it made it seem like they were still struggling and fighting. It's very rare that uh these workers are able to pull something like that off with me. And then we get to a final a final stretch where Hokuto is doing like 450 axe kicks and do, just struggling with near falls and is blasting her away and finally puts her away. It's it's excellent. You can go four, 4.0, Big Dave Meltzer stars, 4.25. I went three out of three recommendation. It's it's a match. There, there are matches like that that just kind of slip through, not in the classics. And if you listeners have any of these matches that are not in the classics or I have not covered, uh, at least up until the point that we're at uh, in the timeline, feel free to send them to me at BowlingJD on Twitter. DMs are open as well. I'll be more than happy to to watch more of these things going on, uh, especially if they're a match like that. And now up to, uh, uh, to the opener. Saki Hasegawa defeats Hikari Fukuoka of JWP. 18 minutes, five seconds. Wrestling Observer Newsletter gave this four stars. Uh, these two were opponents on opposite sides at Dream Slam 1. It is a good follow-up singles match to start the show, I think. After this match, you just you just kind of knew that these two are going to be main eventers of their company soon. Like you really feel that. Sa- Saki Asagawa. Like I am really liking Hikari Fukuoka. Like a lot. She is she's really good and is very much developing like her style. It's a good fire right out of the gate. Uh crowd's mostly quiet. Uh, and and this is like a difference you even see in modern times here where the, the Osaka crowd is generally a lot more quiet than the Tokyo crowd. And everything I read about like, uh, so for those that don't know, I do have an anthropology degree with my geological engineering degree. And so I'm really into like cultural disconnect and, and, uh, cultural difference between cities and regions. And, uh, that's kind of what my, uh, thesis was on was, uh, uh, regional cultural differences but uh yeah osaka and tokyo have much different cultures in how they present themselves tokyo is very much like think of it more like a city life compared to a country life i know it's not apples to oranges on that but uh or not even you, you get the idea but uh that's the premise of the conversation but anyways but the sheer will and intensity of these two Went at it, drew the crowd in pretty quickly. A bunch of drop kicks and noticeably Saki is holding back the spam button tonight from her jumping heel kicks. I think it's a thumbs up from me. Great moment here as both are exchanging forearms and punches and then Hikari pulls out the 1950s cartoon punch. She spins her arm three times and (laughs) whoopam! It's fucking great. Then Hikari... uh, No, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Phenomenal Wrestling. Uh, they continue to go to equal blows, and finally, Saki uh, busts out her Street Fighter combo of mashing that Urinagi slam and jumping heel kick button, and I must note now, Saki's Urinagi slams are fantastic. More and more, they're getting higher and more angular, with the next one looking more impressive than the last. Hikari just keeps kicking out until finally one of these just puts her away. Just a great match, great opener. I am completely and utterly sold on both these wrestlers going forward. Yes, there's a slowdown period here and there in the match. But regardless, Hikari in frustration post-match lets it out on the mic. She even apologizes to the JWP president and bows to him. And he says something back and encourages her and we move on. But I would say the only thing missing from this match would be breaking out of their rookie-like offense. They both still clearly have. And uh, yeah, these are your like perfect undercard matches that just really kickstart. And as a fan, you just become enamored with the wrestlers involved in matches like this. Phenomenal stuff. And I got to drink my beer after that one. Whew. Okay, let's see. Where are we at? Machiko mm. Futagami, Leo Kitamura, Utaku Hosumi. Defeat this tandem. Kaori Ito, Sammy Numata, and Tomoko Watanabe. This <laughs> went 16 minutes. Wrestling Observer newsletter gave it three stars. Maybe he's a little kind on that one. It's the AJWD team versus Young Lion LLPW team. Uh, this could get rough, and it did. Tomoko still has the goofy lucha mask on, and she's slipping and botching, falling off the ropes all over the ring. A real bad night for Tomoko. Really, the match was about getting heat on the weakest team person in the match. AJW weakling was comedy scrub Numata, while LLPW was Hosumi at this time. As I have gone through 93 on the LLPW journey, I can assure you, Hosumi gets much, much better. And uh, so much so, we start to see her get a little push of sorts. As we uh, continue into 93. So go listen to those reviews. And you can uh, follow along with it. And I must mention. If you do join the Patreon. I do hook you up with. uh, All these videos that I'm collecting. From LLPW. Unfortunately. The best wrestler in this match was Gammy. And she's mostly absent. The majority of the time. And HAW wrestler Tomoko. Had this bad night. So the match was really bad rookie type stuff here. Gamby hits a pump handle, then a pump handle sit-out power on Numata. win. Yeesh. Not good. Let's get the fuck out of here with that one. <laughs> Bat Yoshinaga and Terry Powers. Injured Terry Powers, mind you. Defeat. Defeat. They win against Mickey Honda and Rumi Kazuma. The, the founder and president of LOPW, Rumi Kazuma. Wrestling Observer Newsletter gave this two and a half stars. I totally understand that one. Fourteen minutes this went. This match was two packs of ass. Terry Powers mostly stayed out of the way but while she was in trying to have her like Cody Rhodes moment fighting against her own injuries asking for more hitting lariats with a good arm. Hey, love the fighting spirit girl. <laughs> love it. Uh, well, even more sad, Bat Yoshinaga. Oh boy. She was up to some shit in this one. She was determined to no-sell everything thrown at her. The opening strikes Rumi gave her, no sold. Giving Honda a Boston Crab, Rumi comes in and kicks her, no buys. Honda tries a fiery comeback with strikes. Bat says, you're going to have to shoot on me, bitch. Honda, at the end of the match, tries the German suplex Bat as LOPW is rolling back. Bat says, this elevator is closed for business. But our store downstairs has some sandbags for sale. Bat no sells the completely sandbag German into one wheel kick. Bat no sells her even, or she even no sells her own moves because she misses. So she shoot wheel kicks Honda right in the fucking face into next week where she thinks she's actually gonna wrestle somebody. Bat pins Honda. My God, this match was some big league bullshit. It's wild to be that LCO was the team that lost to the same team, while this fucking team won against these two LLPW people. Incredible. Bat Yoshinaga, like, has to have something on the Matsudagas. He's got to. She's got to. (laughs) Like, there's no other explanation. She is... it's, It's the greatest story to ever tell. Is... And you see this, like, with other reviews that people think that Bat Yoshinaga was this actual shooter. No. That was a gimmick. She... Trained, and we see this with like some JD Star people uh, throughout the years. You know, there's various people that get picked apart that like trained in MMA like once, and now it's like ah, I'm a shooter now, <laughs> and they've they've convinced people in charge that they're actual shooters, and then they get booked as them, and they have to protect them, and other uh, they and this, they get this ego involved. Oh, it's a huge thing. <sighs> A little worked up after that one. Combat Toyota and Megumi Koto are back. Defeating LCO, Etsuko Mita, and Mima Shimoda. And I got a new drop. I got to play this one. Since it's Etsuko Mita time, one of my favorite wrestlers to watch now. I, this LCO tandem is great. Mima Shimoda and Etsuko Mita, here we go. God, I love the... Uh, these uh, entrance themes now are just out of this world now. So we liked the Dump Matsumoto and the Devil Masami music, even the Jaguar Yokota. They kind of like sang their own idol music, but we're getting out of the 80s into this and 90s period. And unfortunately, a lot of these like DVDs and things you find on YouTube and the like, all the music's kind of cut out. So you got to kind of go out of your way to pick up on these things and get him. So, I'm trying to, like, immerse myself a little bit more in the era where you can hear things like Aja Kong's entrance music, Dynamite Kansai's rocking entrance, and like here with Etsuko Mita, like, that music's awesome coming out, and we kind of don't get to hear these things. So, it's kind of a bummer. But, uh, it's during the intros to this match. I have to bring up the ring announcer. He's announcing the names and the matches, like it's straight out of a Kabuki show. Like, uh uh I I, I, I I won't say the Japanese part but um I'll do an English uh terrible kabuki imp- impression to give you an idea Etsuko mita! Mima! It's, it's it's so wacky it's uh like I understand culturally of course like why that is why it's at a wrestling show however I don't know uh but he was all over the show doing that Shockingly, this had uh, moments in the match where I enjoyed the ground game. For example, Etso Mita puts a hurtin' and in a de- and and she put some of these like leg scissors and whatnot. Uh, the delay on moves, doing them to someone like Combat Toyota, she got her in a delayed pile driver, and she's like screaming at bitches. Look, Etso Mita's real strong, <laughs> and it definitely showed this match. Uh, LCO even do a mid-match cross-body doomsday device, which is nuts. And just to show how out of their mind LCO are right now, things go south for them real quick as it spills outside. Where? Combat hits Shimoto with a sit-out powerbomb on the floor, so I'm sure Back loved that. Then Kudo does a tiger driver to Mita onto a table. (laughs) They get back in the ring, and LCL are in for more of a bad time, as Kudo and Combat do some wacky shoulder powerbomb, flying DDT combo, and then Combat Toyota finishes Shimoda off with a powerbomb folding her up. Both those moves just obliterate Shimoda right on the back of her neck, and we wonder why this AJW roster is going to the hospital so often. This was honestly more impressive and more fun than the main event uh, from Dream Slam 1. But uh, look, FMW loses the main event last week. Followed up with the crushing the mid card team on the rise this week. Look, Onita strikes again. But damn it, I respect the grifting work that he does. Uh, man. Yeah, this match is great. Double in a way, as you heard Takako's intro music for this episode. She's teaming up with Kyoko. Uh, They are uh, teaming up with Yumiko Hota to take on this JWP trio. Cutie Suzuki, Plum Mariko. So we got our... So we we go from the best tag team match of the year, essentially, to a trios match, adding Bolshoi Kid to the mix. Wrestling Observer Newsletter went four and a half stars in this match. So this match circled between it ruled and was a total mess. And what I mean is, how these shows were sometimes described as wrestlers were not exactly cooperating with each other. Uh, some examples. Here, Hota straight up no-selling in big league in every chance she got, especially against Plum Mariko. Uh, probably because she got so over last week. And uh, But anyways, Takako in a way seemed straight up like a jealous bitch that Cutie and Plum weren't getting more crowd reaction than her and reamed into them between stiff shots and no-selling herself. Look, I don't know how much of that is part of the story or actual like seated jealousy, uh, but either way, it kind of ruled because you 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 thought they were you know fighting each other. It was a it was a wild kind of thing to watch, but naturally, Cutie and Plum would retaliate, and then they also seemed lost in in the fight, unsure like what to sell and to retaliate to themselves. Uh very weird, but got real awesome at points. So that weirdly left, Kyoko went away, and the junior comedy young wrestler Bolshoi Kid, later known as Command Bolshoi, which we're going over on the Joshi 2010s, Bolshoi here had some clown comedy in the opening minutes, but other than that, it went into a great mess of, like, a trio style. Very ironic, of all people, that it was Kyoko and the clown putting on the best work in this match. Uh, Finally, we get to the finishing stretch, where Cutie keeps getting hope spots, but is repeatedly kicked in the head by Hota, as she does. QD kicks out of a tiger driver, ruled. Backdrop driver, awesome. Then everyone starts like just counter wrestling everything, just reversing, flipping out of things. Kyoko ends up eating a triple drop kick uh, tandem from the JWP team. A series of flying stomps and a moonsault. Excellent near fall from Kyoko. Then it's AJW time. They just start the Bolshoi Will Die initiative. Helicopter slam from Kyoko finishes Bolshoi off. 21 minutes 28 seconds uh, as the remaining AJW guys just kind of deal with the JWP wrestlers on the outside. Kyoko uh, gets that pin. Great match. Totally agree. Uh, I might even go a little higher on it. Eh, no, 4.5 seems right. 0.25, two 4.5? Either way, it's a 3 out of 3 full recommendation. The match ruled. Loved it. And then we move on to Unfortunately, Suzuka Minami defeats Harley Saito, 13 minutes, 31 seconds. Wrestling Observer gave this three and a half. I actually think that's very kind, really, because, uh, you know, I defended Suzuka Minami so much in the last episode, and here we are, and she disappointed me. This match was basic as fuck. Almost no crowd reaction the entire time, besides a couple dives. Just holds upon Holds. And the basic Germans and jump kicks, it's long, dull, basic, and boring. The crowd thought so too. (sighs) Nothing exactly wrong with the match, but you're left with just nothing. Suzuka wins, Saito in the mud. Let's move on. Bull Nakano defeats Chigusa Nagayo 15 minutes, 8 seconds. Wrestling Observer Newsletter, 4.25 stars. Nagayo did a magazine interview pretty much saying that she's trying to... uh, get her physical stature up for that big august budokan show and she should be 100 after that time because she's taken four years off to be an actress so yeah we're still doing the whole ring rust aspect to chigusa nagayo and chigusa lost to her senpai and top jwp star devil masami last week this week we see her against her busy big biggest biggest rivals successor so the successor of dump matsumoto bull nakano so, two kind of fitting big match return opponents, considering uh, Bull wasn't the big maid star until after Chigusa had to do the mandatory uh, retirement. Uh, Bull comes out full pirate ship captain, as she does, but this time she has a flame fire leotard on. The whole, uh, whole onesie action going on there. My God, this gear ruled. Bull Icano is looking so much better than she did uh, near the end of her... her uh red belt title run just she's lost all that like real heavy bad weight uh she looks more spry in the ring she just looks so much better Uh, unfortunately unlike devil masami match where they threw bombs for 15 minutes this was too 1980s at first i thought we were into something when bull took chigusa outside and got to the, the nunchucks and even got her a bit bloody they then got back in the ring and something i have never seen before occurs chigusa lays down demands Bull, hits the top rope leg drop to prove she can take it. And well, she does, she kicks out to a tremendous reaction from the crowd and Bull and unfortunately for there it goes full 90 days. Long slow holds and submissions and stretching. They did the few suplexes and a weapon disarmament spot. In the end, Bull hits the leg drop again to pin her. Like, big bummer. Really it is. Uh, What could have been in the epic feeling match turned into a very house show day at the office thing. I, uh, I would not go 4.25. I in fact would maybe go three. Put no match. It's just so basic. Uh, they, in, in in moments they tried to make it bigger than what it was, but too slow, too slow and nothing. Eagle Sawai and Shinobu Kandori defeat Aja Kong and Akira Hokuto. 20 minutes 43 seconds. You've noticed all these matches are pretty long. It's almost like in an, an AEW pay per view. Observer gave this only four stars. I'm shocked by this, because this rocked. We back for Hokuto Kandori round two. God, the heat comes off the screen between these two. Fifteen stitches for Hokuto last week. Ah, she's back for more. Bring it on. (laughs) I'm the dangerous queen, bitch. This starts hot as hell with Ajin Hokuto suplexing LLPW. Uh, Essentially out of the ring and quick action and a hot start. Hokuto counters Kid Judo into spinning chokes, while Aja and Eagle end up going to headbutt battles, uh, Junkyard Dog style. So there's rules. This is great. Uh, Total opposite of that Nagai Obol-Nakano match. LPW open up Hokuto again, and after some build period, the back half of this match was incredible, with just great near falls and high-impact action. And here's the stretch. Aja goes for a suicide dive. Totally fumbles, hilariously. Kandori also steps aside, very funny. Uh, Akira takes a power bomb onto the floor, comes back with a missile drop kick of her own, uh, while Kandori is on Aja Kong, wild spot. Eagle does a missile drop kick of her own. Kendori then eats a back fist from Kong, and Akira Hokuto falls up with a splash. Then Eagle takes a super power slam. Aja suplexes Hokuto onto her. This is so awesome! Just so much is happening. Uh, it was so ridiculous of a thing. I had to like write all that down. Hokuto takes an Eagle power bomb, then two huge ones from Kendori. Big near fall save from Kong. My God, this is great. So Eagle blocks Aja Kong outside while Kandori delivers a Tiger Driver. Surely that's it? No! Hokuto kicks out. Kandori goes for a clothesline. Okay. Break. Kandori goes for this clothesline the exact same way she did last week against Hokuto in their singles match. Cost of the match. So the same one. Akira snaps on that judo armbar, but this time Kandori gets out on her own. Hokuto goes for a dragon suplex. Uh, but this time, Kandori sees it coming, locks in that armbar. So, yes, Kandori caught Hokuto in a submission hold, and the referee stopped the match because it was ruled, ruled inescapable. Although Hokuto didn't submit, it was announced uh, she did suffer a major shoulder injury from the hold. So this is kayfabe, as far as we know. And uh, this angle is supposed to build up Ajakong Kandori. Before they do the rematch of Hokuto Kandori at the big August show, so there's ta- So here, here's the thing. So Kong gets on the mic and she's very mad about this. You injured my, you injured Hokuto, you LLPW bitch. Blah blah blah. Right now on the schedule, the only big show they have left is the Summer Budokan. They clearly want to run a bigger show later in the year as well. They couldn't get the Tokyo Dome, so now it looks like they're getting, you know, Sumo Hall or Budokan or something near the end. So I think we can interpret that clearly they want to do Kong Kandori, but they want to do that before a Kendori Hokuto rematch. So either that happens like during the Japan Grand Prix, if they can't secure a building for late in the year, or they do that match in August, and then they hold off on Hokuto Kandori until like December. But we know plans change. Something to keep an eye on, something to uh, keep in mind. Obviously I I, I don't want to spoil exactly what does happen, but that's like what we're dealing with at this time. And then our main event, a phenomenal match, uh, one of the best things you will probably ever see in your life. It's a 5 star plus match in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. It has a 9.48 on cage match. (laughs) Like, it's insane. Uh, It's the 3WA tag title 2 out of 3 falls match from Dream 2. The JWP tag team Dynamite Kansai and Miami Ozaki defeat Manami Toyota and Toshio Nomada. Gold team combo here. 2 falls to 1. It's a rematch from uh, the (laughs) 1992 Observer Match of the Year. This one's even better. And uh, I'll just say the results right here. It's Kansai pins Yamada in Fall 1. Toyota pins Kansai in Fall 2. And Ozaki pins Toyota in Fall 3. Sort of. Keep that in mind. Match goes 31 minutes, 11 seconds. So here we go. Oh, I'm just going to read this because uh, I wrote a lot about this match. This time, Toyota's now got a color swap version of last week's swan look, a blue onesie with a white feathered fringe. So naturally, things are flying off all over again. Makes her look awesome. Uh, her gear is out of control as her bumping and jumping out of the ring are. Bell rings and bam. JWP get the jump on AJW as Uzaki takes out Toyota while Kansai high kicks and hits Splash Mountain on Yamada in 12 seconds for Fall 1. Incredible start and very unexpected. Fall 2 is all drama. Not all slow build, but build nonetheless. Some submission exchanges, some kick exchanges with uh, Kansai and Yamada. Toyota hits her run-up moonsault. Uh, Some of these submission Toyota tries are very wacky like one where she's sitting on Ozaki and she's bent over forward. It's weird. It's tough to describe. Then it's finally it finally goes to the next gear. Kansai runs in for a clothesline and then it's stereo JWT dives. Uh, Very cool stuff to see people like flying off at the same time especially back uh, you know 30 years ago at this point. Uh, Stereo flying headbutts from Manami and Toyota but then uh, she's thrown into the corner instead. Just drop kicks Ozaki off the top. That was cool. Hits an Asahi moonsault from inside the ring to the out. Uh, back in the ring for kick counter time, and finally Yamada rolls out of Splash Mountain. Hits one big kick. Crowd is going nuts for Team AJW. This is their crowd, their home turf, their show. As they hit a double power bomb on Kansai for a dramatic two count. And then Manami hits the J-O-C on Uzaki uh, to get... No, it was... uh, Yeah, it was Kansai. That's right. She barely got her up. She just kind of went over like a German. It was up there. Uh, So we go into fall three. This entire 60-minute stretch along with the two falls prior with their drama was some of the best wrestling you will ever see. It's amazing. Uh, we got counter-wrestling, teams running into each other, big moves into near falls, springboard moonsaults, double headbutts off the top, lots of drop kicks and enziguris. Finally, the finishing stretch. Ozaki takes a super double flip-over backdrop, cross-arm German, Kansai sa- makes the save, Toyota does a slow rolling cr- cradle, which she actually like pins people with this move these days, actually gets a close two, as does a tiger suplex, but Kansai's in, it's uh, it's kick barrage time. Uh, does the uh, she doesn't do Splash Mountain. She does essentially the the running three, the Razor's Edge, whichever you want to call it, on Minami. Uh Toyota. Lariat's both AJW girls. Doomsday device, which Monami Toyota takes it on her head. Oh my God! Then Kansai hits a power bomb on Toyota, folds her in half on her head. Oh my God! Then goes to hold down. Yamada, while Ozaki just kind of falls on her for three. New champions. Holy shit. Uh, Yeah, if you want to go five stars, go for it. I got no problem with that one. (laughs) I mean, I went 4.75. Full three out of three recommendation. Like, no question. So reports at the time these two teams will be rematched with the belts at stake at June 2nd in Sapporo. Uh, and this was announced two weeks later, Kansai Nozaki's first title defense on June 3rd in Sapporo will be against Yumiko Hota and Takako Inoue. So, a little, uh, clearly change of plans at work here. JWP and LLPW will co-promote a card of interpromotional matches on July 31st in Yokohama. Not true, this turns out. Also a change of plans at work here. LLPW drops out and ends up running to show in uh, Fukui, Japan, which is the regional northwest of uh, Nagoya on the western coast. But um, yeah, LPW kind of drops out. So there's uh, there's politicking, there's uh, uh, difficulty of schedule. There's things at work here that's, that even though they announce things, things uh, get changed up. And uh, looking ahead, Kong and Nakano will lose their first tag team match ever on April 16th in Hamamatsu to Akira Hokuto and Yumi Hota when Hokuto pins Bull Nakano. There you go. And uh, I got to I got to try to find some things for May because there's a big gap in what we're going to cover here. So, getting a lot of notes together there. Guys, this Dream Slam 2 show was amazing. Uh, I'm very happy I watched it. This was, uh, it had ups and downs, but, uh, between the, the opener and me falling in love with two new women there, essentially, and the semi-main and main event just were incredible. Dream Slam 2 was great. The Both these Dream Slam events are excellent. Uh, the one from 92 was real good. Uh, we're, we're up. We're firing. Let's go. Get into it. This is, this is great stuff. Uh, The 80s, it was tough to come by. Uh, Early 90s, you know, once the retirement, uh, we, we finally built to something. So let's enjoy this run while we got it. Let's enjoy this ride.